morning, everyone. Morning, Tim. That's the, that's the voice I heard, but you all said morning. Thank you. Tim, can I ask you a question? Those songs you picked this morning, um, when did you pick them? Okay. Was that before I texted you? Okay. So I asked Tim to pick the last song um, for what I'm about to preach on today. So Tim's got no idea what I'm preaching on, and I didn't until last night. Now, I had something prepared um, about two weeks ago, and then yesterday in the morning, I got up early, I went downstairs, and I thought, right, I've been cooking up this message that I had two weeks ago for you, and oh, it's, it's getting finalised now. I better leave it alone now. I can just relax. And I just uh, was in the presence of the Lord. Um, I was listening to my Bible. I was listening to app because I was tired. I just wanted to get the word in. I was listening through the book of Ephesians. And then I sensed the Lord just drop this in, what I'm about to preach on today. And I went, you are joking. Like, and, and, and I... I um, spoke to my wife and told her about this. And she said, well, we've got things to do today. And I'm not changing that. So I literally had this message to prepare from about 8 o'clock last night. So um, with what's been singing, what we've been singing this morning and the message I prepared, all these songs are all, re all very relative to what I'm going to speak about. Um, while we were listening to the worship, I picked some of the um, uh, words out of these songs. Um, I'm a child of God. Very important to what I'm going to be speaking about. I'm keeping you in suspense here. I'm enjoying this bit. Um, fear doesn't stand a chance. And you'll understand why when I get into the word. And baby... There's power to break off every chain. And there's power in the name of? Jesus. There's power in the name of? Jesus. Thank you. Amen. Death is defeated. We ain't got to worry about that no more. Those of us who are in Christ. And sorrow comes to steal. But God has a different plan than uh, what the enemy wants to do tim was on about that this morning weren't you well the things the negative things he wants to speak into our life so that's just some words i'll just jot him down as we were in the worship so let me just prepare so the subject i'm speaking on this morning is believers authority we need to know who we are in Christ. Yeah? So, first verse for this. Can you bring up Isaiah 55, verse 10? I'm letting the words... Uh, Come on the screen so you can follow it while I read it. 
Okay, so for us the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but the water the earth and make it bring forth the bud that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in everything for which I sent it. Psalm 138 tells us that God has magnified his word um, above himself. And what can we learn from that? Is that God's word never changes, and we can trust it, because it never changes. In the beginning, there was a word. Uh, John chapter 1, verse 1. And we see right at the beginning, God's word was already ready to accomplish everything before everything was created. Before we were created, all the rescue plan, it was already there, um, ready to fulfill its purpose. We learn that God creates with words. He created Adam in his own image with words and dominion. If you bring up Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, just to show you where I'm getting this from. Then God said, let us make man in our image, according to our likeness, let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. God saying, he gave man dominion over this world. Now, there's probably more scriptures that I can pull up for that. So, we were made to rule over this world. It's like God is the ultimate authority, but he delegated that authority to us. So, in, Ad in Adam, I didn't read that. Did I read that? Yes, I did. Sorry. In Adam, he reproduced himself, and God gave Adam his own authority over everything on this planet and crowned him with his glory. Can you bring up Psalm, eight, chap Psalm chapter 8, verse 4 and 5, please? What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you visit him. God used to visit Adam in the cool of day. For you have made him a little lower than the angels. And you have crowned him with glory and honor. So, as part of the fall of man, he was being deceived in the Garden of Eden we see that man lost authority. The scripture I want to bring up for that is Luke chapter 4, verse 5 and 6. 
So, it says here, Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world, and in a moment of time, and the devil said to him, All this authority I will give you, and their glory, for this has been delivered to me, and I give it to whoever I wish. So, from, from this verse, I'm, I, don't quote me on this, I don't want to speak a heresy or anything like that, but the way I read it, uh, and, I, and I was just brooding over this verse a little bit as I was preparing this message, Satan didn't take man's authority. Now, whether you have a different sort of theology to that, from this verse, I'm not seeing it that way. Um, so, what do I think about that? And is my opinion the truthful opinion of this? The main point is, man lost his authority, but this is what was coming to my thoughts. That God in his sovereignty gave Satan authority, which was part of mankind's curse. Why? I don't know. Um, I'm just seeing it in that verse that it was handed over to him. We talk about a book, sometimes those of us who study a lot about the courts of heaven, Robert Henderson speaks about the courts of heaven, and it's not just uh, us as believers that enter into that court of heaven. So what was brought from the accuser in that place um, was probably, there was a purpose that he believed authority would be his because he was kicked out of heaven. Satan was kicked out of heaven. He was Lucifer at that point. But Jesus um, reclaimed that authority for us. We weren't to be left in the state that we were. Um, if you bring up Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. Oh. Um, can you bring it up in the NLT for me, please? Sorry about this. Okay. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. In Matthew 28, verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spoke to them, saying, All authority has been given to me on earth and of uh, on earth and heaven another scripture that backs up at all authority was given to jesus um there's a few verses starting uh, ephesians 1 chapter 19 if you can bring that up in nlt as well please i also pray that you will understand the incredible greatness of god's power for us who believe in him this is 
the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him in the place of honour at God's right hand in the heavenly realms. Now he is far above any ruler or authority or power or leader or anything else, not only in this world, but also in the world to come. God has put all things under the authority of Christ and has made him head over all things for the benefit of the church. And the church is his body. It is made full and complete by Christ, who fills all things everywhere with himself. Back to NK. Please, uh, Ian. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. So, how did Jesus bring authority back to us? You know, we, we um, are still human beings. To some degree, we are still in a fallen state. We are all going to grow old, and someday we're not going to be no longer in this world. So, as I was looking at this verse, and it says, And so it is written... The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. So it's in our spirit that we are made new, that we become alive and that we become saved. That is the part of us that is going to live on forever. In Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places in Christ. That's saying to me, it's inclusive that we are blessed in the same way as Christ is having um, this seat in the heavenly places, but we're not there. And we were speaking about it a little bit in the midweek meeting. I don't know who brought it up, but we are physically here, and it's hard to imagine our spiritual self in a heavenly place. But we have to go by what the Word says and not complicate it too much, um, because if we overthink it, then we start getting into a state of confusion. And we, we need to be clear and concise of what the word is saying to us. We can debate so much theology, and that's all we ever end up doing. Um, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 6 NLT, it says, For he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus that's just another verse that just confirms that we are united with Christ. Um, in the midweek, we um, meditated on Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. If you could bring that up, please, Ian. 
says, but those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. And many of us are just getting various different words from this. And one of the words Tim said is that when we are waiting in God's presence, we may not be aware of something happening while we're in his presence, while we're in that place of prayer. Sometimes we're not praying, but we're just waiting for a word of the Lord. and We don't seem to get a word of the Lord. But that doesn't mean being in his presence, that something isn't happening, but he is renewing our strength. But um, this is one thing that I got on Tuesday. It came to me, I think it came to Ian as well, was... Um, look at the eagle <laughs> look at the eagle um, and I was just thinking about a character of an eagle and the first thing that came to my mind is an eagle is a predator it doesn't run scared and it has amazing vision so it's, it's pursuing to catch its prey and being after after hearing this on um, uh, Tuesday, wasn't it? Um, I just start, started looking at different aspects about the eagle. And with its vision, believe it or not, an eagle, I think it can see up to four to five miles away with perfect clarity. So before it's going to get its prey, its prey doesn't know that it's going to be got. You know. So I thought, well, maybe... If God's saying that about an eagle, maybe we take on the mentality of an eagle, you know, rather than we have a victim mentality. And, 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 and trust me, like storms do come in life, don't they? And um, it feels like everything can crash down sometimes. We get shipwrecked. Um, and this is where the enemy wants us, wants us on the back foot. But... When we know our identity in Christ, we are actually on the front foot. And we, our purpose then is to pursue expanding God's kingdom through the power of the gospel. It's not to retreat. And so I thought about uh, another animal that um, came to mind bring up Proverbs chapter 30, verse 30. You'll like this one. If you're going to identify with this one as well, just to, you know, when you take this away later on, you just think I'm a lion and I'm an eagle. It says here, a lion which is, a might, which is mighty among beasts and does not turn away from any. Um, what we're studying with a lion is its attitude. And its attitude, it's an attitude of a lion that makes it scary to the rest of all the other animals. Um, a lion, it is naturally powerful. It's not the biggest animal. An elephant can crush it. It's not maybe the most deadliest animal. But what makes a lion deadly? What makes it more deadly 
than any other animals. What makes it more scary? Its attitude. Because a lion doesn't look at any other animal and think, oh, I've got, I don't know how to weigh this one up. Uh, have I got a flight situation or a fight situation? He just thinks one thing, lunch. Yeah? So I just thought if we were adapting the attitude of these animals, I, I don't want it to be, it's just a, a message about animals, but I'm just using them as a little bit of a, um, what we can, it's in scripture anyway, what we can see from them. If we adopt that attitude of a lion, when the enemy comes to um, cause us havoc in our life, we go, hold on a minute, hold on a minute. Who do you think you're messing around with? Yeah, does anyone relate with that? So in Luke chapter 10, verse 19, it says this, Behold, I give you authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by no means hurt you. Does anyone know what serpents and scorpions are in the Bible? Do you know what it's symbolic of? Serpent, serpents and scorpions are demonic authorities. We have authority over them, and I remind us, because we are seated with Christ, who's over every other authority. Uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 23. For assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, will have whatever he says. So mountains, again, is symbolic. If, if you say to Mount Everest, be rooted up and go in the sea, what do you think Mount Everest is going to do? Did Jesus ever do that? He did calm a storm, but it's a bit different to shifting a mountain. Mountains are symbolic of authorities, and we are part of the kingdom that is higher than all authorities. Just throwing that in every time, we are at the top. So there is a spiritual realm that we don't see. And, the, you know, Ephesians chapter 6 says that there are principalities and powers that we wrestle with. These are the heavenly realms, first heaven, second heaven, third heaven. But at the top, it's God who's at the top. But we're with him. We're with him with that delegated authority that Jesus brought back to us. A bit like a policeman. It's a good, it's, a, it's an old analogy. And I, I enjoy using it because the policeman says, stop, what do you do? You stop. Why? Because you know the authority that's behind that policeman. We're the same. Here's another one. And we can come... And because we are part of God's kingdom, we come boldly to the throne. We're in a kingdom. 
Satan has his kingdom. We're in a different kingdom. Those of us, those of us who are in Christ, we're in a different kingdom. We're in the winning side. Yeah? We all like to believe we're on the winning side, especially when it comes to football. And we all have our disappointments there sometimes. So in John 16, verse 23, it says this, And in that day you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. What's the power in the name of? What's the power in the name of? Come on. Thank you. So, but now, I'll just give you lots of good stuff. And this is not bad stuff, but it's just a reminder. And it is, remember that the devil, he comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. He's got a purpose, to wreck your life. And he will, if you let him. Um, the reference to that is John 10.10, 10, if you want to just put it up for a second, so we can just take that in. Notice Jesus says, I've come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. So he wants you to have your life better than what you're having now. Amen. If we go to 1 Peter, chapter 5, verse 8, please. Just more reference to how the enemy is, how we know him. It says, be sober. Be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion. Now, I mentioned that we take on an attitude like a lion. Just remember one thing. It says he walks around like a lion, but he's toughless. Yeah? He's toughless, but... In a way that a lion prowls round, when, when you watch these nature programs, a lion's stalking, and it looks for the weakest one. You know the gazelles that you see? The, the, the one that looks vulnerable? It's going, I'm going to get that one. That's my food. Although it can take down mighty beasts, it doesn't want the hassle of, of uh, you know, taking on an easy meal as opposed to taking on something that's going to give him a hard time. So, it says, resist him steadfast in faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood in the world. If you experience persecution, it's nothing compared to what some nations are experiencing. I can actually come up and speak can't necessarily do that in public in some places. But we, we have a hope that's in us. No one can take that hope that's in us because it says greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. James chapter 4 verse 7 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. What does resist the devil mean to you? This is what I believe it means. Actively 
fighting against the devil. Um, Ephesians chapter 10. Uh, sorry, Ephesians, no chapter 10 in Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 and 11. Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Okay. From that verse on, it's all about warfare. And if there's one thing we've got to learn is how to fight. But we need armor. And we have to put on armor every day. We have to put on our own armor. Because other people's armor doesn't fit. So sometimes when we are spiritual babes and we don't know how to fight, we may need to go into the pack and seek help. But God doesn't want to leave us that way. He wants us to grow. He wants us to be able to fight against the devil ourselves. So Ephesians is the armor of God. So I'm going to read this out because I'm not going to change what I've wrote out here. Ephesians 6, verses 10 to 20. The armor of God is our instructions for spiritual warfare. We shouldn't be reactive to the schemes of the devil. We should be using our spiritual weapon, weapons to advance God's kingdom through the power of the gospel. God wants to expand his kingdom. There's various people in this church who go out purposely and evangelize, go and pray for the sick. That's, you, we're not limited to meeting up in a town. We've got our workplace, we've got friends. And again, sometimes you might feel uncomfortable. And like anything else, stepping out in faith feels risky. For me, this feels risky. I'm being stretched um, by this. It feels a bit easier now. Now my nerves are sort of like wavered a little bit. Um, but God wants to advance his kingdom. And he does that through us, preaching the gospel. It might be uncomfortable. Um, I spoke uh, my faith to a Muslim guy on Friday. And there was nothing offensive by me sharing the gospel. And he actually was really, really um, good at having a, a discussion with me. But I, I would say, don't get into a debate about theology. Right? Let your witness be what it's about. Because anyone who's come to Christ is a new being, right? Is a new child. We're born again. We're not the same as what we was before. And no one can deny that. You know, it's hard to say, well, I don't believe that. Well, is the evidence? Look at some of the people that have come from real bad backgrounds where the world would write them off. And then through the power of Christ, transformation takes place who can deny that but we have to advance the gospel so many people have as well this perception that christianity is passive yeah we all like to think we all get on 
with everybody. And, and we do, in, in, in the sense of loving people. But the true Christian isn't passive. Jesus wasn't passive. When he put all the religious leaders in their place, if he was passive, he wouldn't have shouted up against the Pharisees for all the, the things that they were speaking of at that time. He didn't back down from them. He fought against them. He's our example. It's not to go out with uh, an arrogance towards people you meet, but not to be a pushover when you do actually encounter other opinions other than the Christian faith. And um, this came to mind. We are on a warship, not a cruise ship. And the devil doesn't want you to know that because you're dangerous to his kingdom. So it would be nice if we were just on a cruise ship. That's it, we could just hibernate away. But we are called into a battle, and it's a spiritual battle, whether we like it or not. Um, so I'm due, to, due to time now, I'm going to start wrapping things up. Um, Ian, can you get Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16, please? Right, I'm not going to read these, but I want you to. Verse 17. Verse 18. Verse 19. And verse 20. Had these put forward silently so you could hear them in your own voice. Now what I want to do is say these verses, but personalize it for you. This is the first one. So don't look at the screen now. Just repeat after me. I give thanks that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give to me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in, in the knowledge of him the eyes of my understanding be enlightened that I may know what is the hope of his calling. What are the riches of his glory in the inheritance of the saints? And what is the exceeding greatness 
of his power towards us who believe. According to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in heavenly places. So that was one prayer that Paul prayed. Can you get chapter, Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 for me, please? Same again. I want you to hear this in your own voice. Next verse, please. 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 Okay. I'm going to go through this prayer. If you can repeat after me again, please. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he would grant me, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. That Christ may dwell in my heart through faith. That I, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of Christ which passes all knowledge that I may be filled with the fullness of God. I've given you those prayers, not me personally, because they're in the word. Um, but these are prayers that you can pray. Not trying to remember what I've prayed. Just go into um, the scripture, which is Ephesians chapter 1, verse 16 to 20. And Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14 to 19. And write your own personalization in it. And just keep praying it over yourself. That you, you, you will come to the knowledge and wisdom 
especially knowing your identity in Christ uh, and knowing your authority in what he, in what he has given you. So thanks for listening to me.